We welcome you to the 2021 Eschatology Series, a series that unfolds the power of ancient prophecies. Our series is based on the book of Revelation. Let's get started.
we welcome all of you who are new to our eschatology series, Unfolding the Power of Prophecy. We do encourage you to go online at iomamerica.net, click on the eschatology series and start with number one if you're new to our broadcast. Today we're on Revelation 20, starting at verse 11. We'll take you through verse 15. Let's do a quick recap of what we have covered thus far. Jesus, the Son of God, revealed Himself, and that is exactly why this particular book is called the Book of Revelation. He paid the price for all sinners, past, present, and future. Salvation was offered to all who would receive it. Then the message was delivered to the seven churches, and then John had his Patmos experience of being called up into the heaven, being told what Jesus communicated to the angel to communicate to John. Prophetic writings were given to these seven churches, and it all started out with the throne of worship being defined. It's called the Holy Temple. The book of the seven seals were opened and delivered. The remnant of Israel, which is the 144,000 pure bloodline Jews, who are gathered together in the second half of the seven-year reign of the Antichrist. Then the seven-year reign of the Antichrist occurred. It's called the Tribulation. Then the angel and the little book was detailed out for John. After that, we saw the two witnesses accomplish their role. Then it was announced that Israel is the woman, the bride of Christ. All those who have the born-again experience in Christ Jesus are grafted into Mother Israel. Then we talked about Satan, the beast, and the false prophet, and we detailed their characteristics. We went on to talk about heaven described, and the hope that was imparted to all those who have received the groom, Jesus Christ. We went in to talk about the six bowls of wrath emptied out, then the doom of Babylon was accomplished, which took us into the fourfold hallelujah sung out, the return of Christ was at hand. Then we talked about the marriage of the Lamb, that is, born again indwelt believers being married to the groom, Jesus Christ. And from there we went in and talked about the second coming of Christ. Many confuse this event with the rapture. This is not true. The second coming is at the end of the tribulation. We talked about the doom of the beast and the false prophet. That took us into Satan being bound for 1,000 years in the pit, chained up. Then we talked about the 1,000 years of actual peace. Well, since Satan and his false prophet are bound in the pit, there is no evil present during this time. Then Satan was released to deceive those born in the millennium period. Gog and Magog surrounded the saints' camp. 
Then all followers of deception were consumed by fire. Satan then is thrown into the lake of fire with this dynamic duo. And now, today, we're going to discuss the great white throne of judgment. Let's take a look at our scripture for today. We're on number 68 in our series. The scripture says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books, according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them according to their deeds. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. That's right out of Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. Let's take a look at Satan now being out of the way. Now that Satan and his duo, the beast and the false prophet, are out of the way for 1,000 years, the judgment begins for all those who followed him and his system. Keep in mind that there will be no deception for those standing before God. The tempter is gone. Every condemned soul will have a clear head as to be able to see the consequences of their stupid choices of following the deceiver. Each human, outside of the bride of Christ, no matter how great or small, will now stand in line for their time of judgment. Most conservative Bible scholars believe that a great judgment will be poured out upon the living at the beginning of the millennium. Now at the end of the millennium, there's another great judgment, the judgment of the dead those brought back from the dead to face their Creator once and for all. Please remember that after the fire and brimstone came down from heaven that devoured those that came against the camp of the saints, therefore all the dead souls that openly displayed their rebellion toward God and refused to receive Christ will now face their day of reckoning. And as our scripture stated for today, this is classified as the second death. Their first death, of course, is when their physical bodies came to death. The second death is when they are thrown into the lake of fire. Let's review the three great thrones. Number one, the first throne and main throne is in heaven from which God's universe is governed. We learn that back in Revelation chapter 4, verse 2. The second is on earth, 
from which the nations will be judged regarding their treatment of the bride of Christ. Read more about that in Matthew chapter 20, verse 11, and then again in verses 40 through 45. Finally, the great white throne, from which all rebels of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit will be judged. And of course, that is our passage of Revelation 20, verse 11. The great white throne of judgment is certainly the greatest. It is the greatest because God will be punishing those who directly came against his son and what he had to offer by way of deliverance. This particular judgment is also what brings closure to humanity as we know it today. No one survives this judgment outside of the bride of Christ. It is a sad day for humanity, past and present. Some believe that the Father himself is the one sitting on this judgment seat, but the truth is, it is none other than his Son, Jesus Christ. And the bride of Christ will be at his right side, assisting in the judgment. All of the cultural modalities of today of you can't judge me, well, this day will show the truth that indeed the Christians will be assisting in the judgment process. John chapter 5 verses 22 through 23 says this, For not even the Father judges anyone, but he has given all judgment to his Son, so that all will honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Now get this. The one who has been despised, hated, persecuted, tortured, gossiped about, made fun of, ignored, lied to, and a host of other nasties, is now sitting on the throne ready to judge every word that proceeded out of the mouth of man who was not written in the book of life. That's right out of Revelation 21, verse 27. What a day this will be for all those universalists who touted that God does not judge, but loves and accepts all men regardless of belief and practice. I can assure you, this day will be their wake-up call, but it will be too late. What is up with the statement, from whose presence earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them? This is not saying that the earth and heaven are gone, not yet. The emphasis needed on this portion of the passage is, and no place was found for them, meaning all earthly trappings and powers of the air are decimated, and man can no longer look to external things for salvation. No world leader, no system of governance, no prosperity, and certainly no religions to hide behind. Keep in mind that all the work God did up to this point 
of burning and plaguing the world with prejudgment punishments that have removed all unpleasant idols. I believe that the earth will look much like it did before God beautified it through creation. This is a very important point to remember. The passages that we have went through right up to today's message was all about the second coming of Jesus Christ and how he torched the living things on the face of the earth. This earth will be worn out, used up, dark, and filled with nothingness. As for the bride of Christ that leads us up to, now reviewing the new earth. The truth is, he set the stage for a new heaven and new earth. That is in Revelation 21. After a husband is done judging the damned, he will be taking his bride to the place that he has prepared for her, the new earth. This is exactly what it says in Isaiah 66, verse 22. For just as the new heavens and the new earth, which I make, will endure before me, declares the Lord, so your offspring and your name will endure. Second Peter 3.13 says, But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth, in which righteousness dwells. Then again in Revelation 21 verse 5 it says, And he who sits on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write, for these words are faithful and true. When he said that he would make all things new, I believe he was precisely serious. Between the passing of the old earth and heaven, and the gift and appearance of the new earth and new heaven, we find the great white throne of judgment is our bridge. The age-old question debated by men is, where are the saints, or bride of Christ, during this time of judgment? Even though the Bible is a bit silent on this topic, I believe that because we are in Christ, Christ is in us, and we are seated with him at the right hand of God, which proves we are right there at his side. Look at Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. This is that time of glory. Judgment is viewed as harsh, and most focus this event on punishment. While that's true, this is Jesus Christ's time to take glory in the things of his Father. 
Ephesians 2 verses 4 through 7 says this, But God being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. You know, folks, it doesn't really get any clearer than that. Now, can you imagine no evil, no tempter, no unclean things, no diseases, nor ungodly people around you, nothing but righteousness, purity, and peace? That is the description of the new earth that we are going to be taken to. Hopefully, after what I'm about to show you, you'll understand that this time of the great white throne of judgment ends all things connected to humanity. Let's look at the great judgment. Just as a recap out of Revelation 20, verses 12 through 14. It says, And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books, according to their deeds. Now we have to remember here that there are books, and each person that is alive during this time, and anyone who was alive before them, each of us have a book of life, with a small l. These small books recorded every thought, deed, and action that every human displayed when they were alive. The second is the book of life. That is a single book. Within this book of life, Jesus is searching for one simple thing. That is to find out if your name is written in the book of life. If your name is written in the book of life, you are set aside as the bridal member of Jesus Christ. If your name is not in the book of life or has been removed for some reason, Jesus will deal with you accordingly. Picture this. Jesus opens the books of the individual lives of those who are standing there. Keep in mind, every word and every deed is recorded And while he opens the book of life, which houses the names of those who did adhere to the words of Jesus and accepted him as their Lord, Savior, and husband, he begins to page through the book to see if their name is written in the book of life. And in most cases, not finding the name, he begins reading from their book of life. Watch out, all you universalists. It's coming. He's about to pronounce judgment on all those who did not see him as the way, the truth, and the life. He finishes with the final judgment. And the dead were judged from the things which were written 
in the books according to their deeds. Unsaved people experience one birth and two deaths. Physical birth, physical death, and second death, the lake of fire, usually referred to as hell. Saved bridal members of Christ experience two births and one death, physical birth, rebirth in Christ, and then physical death. True bridal members of Jesus Christ will not experience the second death. Unsaved people are judged according to their words and deeds, resulting in damnation forever and ever. Saved people are judged according to stewardship, resulting in the type of reward granted on this new earth. Yes, born-again indwell believers do go through judgment of sorts, but it is only for the purpose of rewards, not for damnation. Unsaved people stayed with the present earth. They were born of it, they must die in it, and the second death of eternal damnation is in the core of it, burning and tortured forever without dying, escaping or being able to run from the consequences of their hatred toward Jesus. Not only that, after this whole process is done and these souls have been tossed into the lake of fire, according to scripture, He takes the earth and casts it into outer darkness. Now, if you remember in previous chapters, God turns out all the stars. God shuts off the sun. So when the earth is cast into outer darkness, this is a literal translation. The earth burning from the core inside out becomes a constant fire, while this planet, the old earth, is in the outer darkness for eternity. There are many who believe that God will reconstruct this present earth, and that will be the new earth. There is poor logic in that. Why in God's name would he allow burning souls under our feet of this new earth? No, this is not the proper interpretation of the new earth. The new earth is a new earth, and it is just a part of the reward that we shall receive once we die. Time for salvation. How could any unsaved person read this passage and not pray the prayer of salvation? But then I remember the same question I had for years. How could Satan not get it that he would lose in the end? The answer is deception in both cases. You see, a deceived mind is deceived, meaning blinded by darkness. Fact is, we know it takes the Holy Spirit to open the spiritual eyes of an individual. And if the Spirit has done that now, and you know you're not saved, you might want to pray this prayer. This might be one of those times where you replay a section of the video, but I am going to pray that prayer verbally so that you understand a proper doctrinal prayer 
that could be prayed during a time of receiving Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Loving Heavenly Father, I take by faith the helmet of salvation. I recognize that my salvation is the person of your Son, the Lord Jesus. I cover my mind with him. I desire that he put his mind within me. Let my thoughts be his thoughts. I open my mind fully and only to the control of the Lord Jesus Christ. I replace my own selfish and sinful thoughts with his. I reject every projected thought of Satan and his demons and request instead the mind of the Lord Jesus Christ. I ask that you grant me the wisdom to discern thoughts from the world, my flesh, and Satan's kingdom. I believe that Jesus, you, are the Son of God. You died on the cross for my sins, and that you, Jesus, are truly God. I believe in the Trinity, you as the Father, Jesus as the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I confess that I have been a sinner, totally separated from you. I choose to accept your forgiveness for my sins through the power of the blood of Jesus that was shed for me on the cross. I now ask that you send the Holy Spirit to live inside my mortal body. I praise you, Heavenly Father, that I may know the mind of Christ as I hide your word within my heart and mind. Open my heart to love your word. Grant me the ability and capacity to memorize large portions of it. May your word be ever over my mind like a helmet of strength, which Satan's projected thoughts cannot penetrate. Cause me to allow the Holy Spirit, the life of Christ within me, to fulfill the discipline of daily living to appropriate your salvation. These things I lay before you in the precious name of my new Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. In conclusion, if you prayed this prayer, I want you to remember the following seven points. Number one, obtain a Bible. It is important for you to immediately get into the Word of God. My recommendation is the New American Standard Bible, Hebrew and Greek Key Word Study Bible. For many people who enjoy reading through their tablets or smartphones, we recommend that you download eSword. It's a donation-based Bible software, and I use it myself. Number two, begin working through the Gospels. That's John first, then go back to Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Number three, stop after each chapter that you read in the Gospels and pray through the verses that you read. Ask God to make them real to you. Number four, develop a habit of praying without ceasing. Recently, I just put out a book called The Book of Prayers, Praying Covenant Prayers. 
Go to our website and get a hold of that book. There are many, many examples of prayers within that book that could help you begin to pray doctrinally. Number five, find a Bible study in your area. Make sure it truly is a Bible study, not a gossip group, a study group that truly gets into the Word of God. One of the ones I usually suggest is Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. It's a great study. Number six is locate a Bible teaching church that truly does teach sound doctrines. This may be your greatest challenge. There's not many of those left. Number seven, find a mentor. Thank you for joining us today. It was a privilege to be able to have you join us. Coming up next is number 69, which is the new heaven and earth and the holy city. The things that you can look forward to is a clear description of the new heaven, the new earth, the new people, the new Jerusalem, the new temple, and the new light. It's going to be an exciting episode because now we're on the other side talking about the rewards and the absolute wonderful way of living in those rewards on the new earth. Again, thank you for joining us. Until next time.